Thank you. Thank you, Katie, and good morning. It's great to, uh, great to be in worship with you uh, today. Um, I want to, before we, uh, before I bring the speaker up for, the teacher up for this morning, my namesake, um, uh, y'all don't ever do that for me, so... Uh, I want to. I want to take. Uh, I want to actually do some family business uh, this morning, and um, and we want to invite you into uh, into this. Now we believe that God is doing a lot of great things here at Trinity Church. God has always done great things here, and He continues to do so. Uh, we are seeing uh, so many um, how God is at work among among His people. Um, again, people have begun their journey with Jesus, and they've gotten baptized. In fact, we have a baptism coming in the next, uh, the next several weeks. Uh, our college-age ministry is, is thriving and moving, and the uh, college students and others are just going deeper in their relationship with Jesus. You heard KB uh, share a little bit of his story last week, and, um, and he's one to help us lead, uh, lead worship. Um, again, people are going deeper in their relationship with Jesus through emotionally healthy relationships and emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, again, we're, we're just seeing a lot of what God is doing among us. Marriages, uh, are, uh, couples are going through re-engage. And you saw up here a couple of months ago, 30 couples re, um, renewed their vows together. Uh, so God is at work. Men and women are here in the building during the week, gathering around, around Scripture, celebrate recovery. People are moving um, from one degree to the next in their walk with Jesus. Uh, the gospel is advancing locally and, uh, and globally. And again, we talk, talked about how Jack and I came back from Africa. We're seeing God at work. Uh, they, uh, a team went to the Czech Republic. We're seeing God at work there. Though God is at work among his people, and we believe that, um, there's something else that's true and that's a reality for us, and there is, um, there's, a, there's a deficit. Uh, there's a, a giving uh, deficit. And uh, right now, we are on track to, um, to be $400,000 less than, um, um, than what we've budgeted for this year. Now, that's, that's our reality. One of the first things as leaders we have to do is define reality. Uh, we, we don't put our, bury our heads in the sand, but we define reality. That's our reality. However, there's a bigger reality, and that is the bigness of our God. Amen? So there's a bigger reality, and, um, and so uh, that's the, the reality for us that God is so much bigger. Um, big obstacle, bigger God. And so, um, so wanna, before I go on, I want to, you know, I think this is a, a good place for us as leaders to um, kind of apologize for doing you a disservice. And what I mean by that is the disservice of not connecting giving and generosity to discipleship and worship. Worship, giving is a part of our worship. It's not a separate thing. It's not bifurcated. It really is a part of our love for God and our discipleship of following Jesus. 
And uh, we probably have not done as well as we could have in teaching on it and connecting it to it. I remember 13 years old, I became a believer, and one of the first things we, uh, I was taught is to love Jesus and to love Jesus with my heart, but also with my resources. And so that's, that, that's something that we, we want to do a better, a better job of, of, uh, of, of doing. So what does, that, what does that mean practically for us? Well, uh, it, it means that we're asking our church family to give sacrificially. And when we say sacrificially, we're, talk, we're saying above and beyond your regular tithes and offering. And, uh, and we're asking that um, between now and May 21st. Why? Because we start planning for the next year in a couple of months. And we want to know how to plan and um, as we move to the next ministry year, which begins in August. So Tanya and I, we, are, uh, we have been praying and we uh, said, okay, this is what we, uh, we believe that God is asking us to give. And, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big number. And ask the question, can we afford it? No, we have a daughter in college. And we have another son getting married, Ashton, not Marvin. We're, we've been trying, but okay. Um, Ashton is getting married in August. And so we're, we're, um, we're helping with that. We have a foreign exchange student coming in August who will live with us for a year. So can we afford it? No. That's the reason it's called sacrifice. We are saying, God, we believe and we're trusting you. We just sang about it. You are faithful. And I tell you, I tell you, since we've been following Jesus, God has been faithful to us. He's been faithful. And I'm quite sure you could say the same thing. He's been faithful to me. And so we're asking, we're asking you to begin praying about uh, how, God might how God might want you to respond in this season sacrificially. I could have thrown out a number. I could have said 400 people do, you know, do this amount or 300 people do this amount. But I think that would limit God. And that would limit what we believe that God desires to do. I had a number in mind and God told me another number. And that's the number that Tanya and I are going to go after and we're, we're saying, God, this is one of the first thoughts of stewardship is it all belongs to God. And so we are giving back to God what already belongs to him. Now, we're in the season of Lent, and I think Lent is a great time to begin thinking of what sacrifice and generosity looks like. The early church had three legs on which Lent was observed. Uh, it was fasting, giving up something in the context of fasting, food, giving up something for a 40-day period of time. The second was meditation around, meditation and prayer over scripture. And then the third leg on which the early church observed Lent was generosity. And so we, are, we, we desire to use Lent as the backdrop of how God might want to touch our hearts to be faithful in sacrificially giving and again, going above and beyond your regular tithes and offering. And so again, leadership is about defining reality. We wanted to share that with you because it is an invitation. It's not force, not guilt tripping. It is an invitation for you and I to trust God 
and watch him open the window of heaven and pour out blessings that we don't have room enough to receive. And so that's the family business. Uh, we love talking. Uh, we love inviting the family into this. So please, please pray. Begin asking God, how might he call you to sacrificially give in this season? And so now, the teacher for today, Marvin Williams, Jr. I, st I still can't get over these white socks, though. I'm just... Yeah, he was trying to re-roll my pants this morning. I'm like, this is, this is the style. This is the style. <laughs> well, good morning, Trinity Church. How are you all doing this morning? You doing okay? Yeah? All right. Well, it is uh, such an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be with you all this morning. I always get really excited when my uh, dad asks me to come and speak. And, you know, you all are family to me um, since we've been here. I mean, it's almost... I think, what, 13 years now, something like that. So we've been here 13 years, um, and uh, I, I, always love, I always love being here. So um, I'm just going to begin with a word of prayer this morning, and then we'll, we'll just dive in. Uh, we'll dive in and see, see where the Lord takes us, all right? So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the way that you provide. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy towards us. And Lord, I'm asking that you would um, speak to our hearts this morning as we open your word. Um, Lord, that you would continue to touch our hearts. And Lord, just what you're doing in Kentucky and across the nation, Lord, would you do it here? Lord, would you do it here in our city? Would you do it here in our area? Would you do it here at Michigan State, Lord? Would you touch our college students? Would you touch our high schoolers? Lord, that we would know the sweetness of your presence and the depth of your power. So, Lord, we're asking for you to move this morning and in our city. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. Um, and for most of you all, uh, most of you all know, know me and kind of my story and the journey that the Lord has had me on. Um, and for the past few months, I've been teaching high school Bible at Lansing Christian School right around the corner. Now, oftentimes I get the question, you know, how are you liking it? How, how is Bible teaching? And I'm like, it's great. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some tough parts. And there's some really good parts. Uh, I enjoy seeing the fruit and the soil, the ripe, so the, the, the soil that I get to invest in a whole new generation of Jesus lovers. That's what I love the most about teaching the Bible at a high school level. And I just want to say, I just want to make a bold declaration this morning about high schoolers, college students, Gen Zers, pretty much. That's pretty, like, that's about 25 and down and in the teenage years, I believe that the Lord is doing something so incredible in this generation, and I think it's time to buckle our seatbelts because God is doing something. God is doing something. 
I don't know if you all have been keeping up with the news, but with the Asbury Revival in Kentucky with the college students, and you know, we see it spreading to different college campuses, and I do not think it is a coincidence, and I don't think it was a mistake, that at the same time that things were beginning to rumble at Asbury University, that we have this tragedy happen at Michigan State University, because I think, this is, this is typically, this is just my opinion, and this is just what I, my observations, typically warfare comes before the breakthrough. And I think that the Lord is doing something at Michigan State that we are going to be blown away by. I believe that the Breslin Stadium is going to be filled with the preaching of the gospel. I believe that Spartan Stadium is going to be filled with the preaching of the gospel, that the name of Jesus would be exalted above any basketball player, above any football player, above any person in the nation that Jesus will be exalted in our nation. Hallelujah. (laughs) And we're living in unique times and we're living in unique days. And I believe that as the waters are stirring in our nation, and I believe that as the waters are stirring in the globe, there is a need. And the need, I think, and this is what we're talking about today, is an understanding of the value of biblical teaching. Because I don't know about you all, but I've, you know, I've studied revivals throughout history, and when things really begin to, uh, you know, the waters begin to get stirred and masses get swept into the kingdom, there's a lot of zeal and a lot of passion, but at the same time, there needs to be a root. There needs to be an anchor in the scriptures. There needs to be an anchor and a solid foundation in the word of God. And so that's what I'm speaking about today is the value of biblical teaching. You know, it sounds pretty elementary, sounds pretty basic, but I believe it is one of the greatest needs that we will probably have in the coming days is a need for sound biblical teaching. And so today is really a foundation and a setup for the next few weeks because you all will be going through a mini-series about doctrine and theology. And so today is setting the groundwork for the value of biblical teaching. So if you guys have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Titus chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 9 all the way into the first verse of chapter 2. And... uh, You all have been in a series about Titus, where Titus chooses the topics. And today is about the value of biblical teaching, the value of biblical teaching. So this is what it says in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, all the way to the first verse in chapter 2. It says this, and I'm reading from the NET translation, the New English translation, so it may sound a little bit different than what you all have in front of you, but it's the same word of God. Amen. (laughs) This is what it says in verse 9. He must hold firmly to the faithful message as as, as it has been taught so that he will be able to give exhortation in such healthy teaching and correct those who speak against it. For there are many rebellious people Idle talkers and deceivers, especially those with Jewish connections, who must be silenced because they mislead whole families by teaching for dishonest gain what ought not to be taught. A certain one of them, in fact, one of their own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Such testimony is true. 
For this reason, rebuke them sharply that they may be healthy in the faith and not pay attention to Jewish myths and commands of people who reject the truth. All is pure to those who are pure, but to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but for both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They profess to know God, but with their deeds they deny him. Since they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good deed. But as for you, speaking to Titus, communicate the behavior that goes with sound teaching. And so that's what it says in Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through the first verse of chapter 2. And I just want to begin by saying for the past six months, you know, I've been teaching the Bible full time at Lansing Christian School. And over the past six months, I've been understanding and gaining uh, a paradigm of how valuable biblical teaching actually is. And I found myself, you know, as because I didn't go to school to be a secondary educator. And so, you know, it's kind of like they took me, tossed me right in the deep end. I've just kind of been learning how to swim uh, while trying not to drink too much water while I'm doing it, you know. Actually, I had an accident when I was in uh, elementary school. My parents were, they, you know, they brought me to swim lessons, and, you know, I drank too much water, you know, had an accident at school the next day. <laughs> so it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like, that's kind of what it feels like. You know, you, you keep swimming and learning how to do this thing, and I believe that as the Lord is beginning to stir things in the nation, that we have a need of people who know and are rooted in the scriptures. That there is a need for a sound and accurate uh, biblical teaching and doctrine. And, uh, and even though our range of impact may vary, This is my encouragement to you all this morning. Even though our range of impact may vary, we have all been called to teach the scriptures. We have all been called to teach the Bible. We have all been called to make disciples of all of the nations. This is the call and the commissioning that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. I want to show you guys in the scriptures. This is what it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I believe the scripture will be on the screen. This is Jesus before his ascension, before he uh, ascended to the right hand of God the Father. This is what he says to his disciples. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I'm just abbreviating it here. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so before his ascension, Jesus commissioned his disciples to preach the gospel to the nations of the earth, teaching people to obey his commands. And this is the call of all of us, that if you have said yes to Jesus, if you have given your life over to him, we have all been called as a body, as a people, as believers and followers of Jesus to go and make disciples. And the natural part of discipleship is teaching. 
is teaching people what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to walk in holiness? What does it mean to study the scriptures? What does it mean to, uh, to make disciples and evangelize and all of these things? This is the great need, I believe, that will be coming ahead of us, is that as people are finding Jesus, that, you know, in seasons of revival, seasons of renewal, seasons of awakening, that as people are finding Jesus afresh, that there will be a great need of Bible teachers, that there will be a great need of those who are passionate about making disciples and who are rooted and grounded in the word. But I want to make this uh, encouragement also as well, is that there are some of us in here that have been around church for a long time and that know a lot of things, but have kind of shied away from discipleship, have shied away from, um, from actually engaging with the scriptures and teaching them to those that are in desperate need of, um, of people to walk alongside them and teach them the scriptures. That's what the author of Hebrews said. In Hebrews chapter 5, he says, he says, many of you all should be teachers by now. He says, but it seems like you continually need spiritual milk. You know, he's like, you all should be teaching by now. And it's one of those things where he's saying, come on, like, let's do this thing together. It's not just the person on the platform. It's not just the person in the classroom. It's not just the Bible professors, but it's anyone who loves Jesus. It's anyone who says, my life is his. And it's, there's this natural outflow. There's this natural pouring out of into another life that needs to know the goodness of God. This is the call of every believer, every believer, that it's not just about somebody on a platform, you know, tugging 90% of the weight, but it's about all of us bringing our collective experience and knowledge about what it means to follow Jesus together to disciple a generation. Now, I'm just going to be kind of open and vulnerable with you all is that, you know, I'm, I, I engage with Gen Z every single day, seven to eight hours a day. And just, I, I know that there is a need. There is a need for sound biblical teaching. Just to simply know what does the gospel mean? What is the gospel about? Because I believe that though that there is a revival that's coming in which the Lord will sweep an entire generation up into the kingdom, I believe that right now is the prime time to begin uh, pouring into a whole new generation. It's not that, you know, you know, I'm, you, you know, the insecurities may come. Oh, I'm not too cool. I'm not cool enough. You know, I don't know the TikTok dances enough. Or, you know, I don't, I don't know the lingo of a generation. You know, toss that out of the window. There is a need, and you're called. There is a need and you're called, you are needed to disciple a whole new generation to know what it means to follow Jesus. And so I want to encourage you all is that whether you feel like, you know, you're just beginning the journey or you're, you know, 10, 15, 20, you know, 50 years in the journey of following Jesus, there is a need. There is a need. And I believe that everybody will have to play a part in the days to come. So even though everybody is called to, uh, to 
uh, teach the scriptures and to teach people um, how to follow Jesus and what it looks like to observe his commandments, I do want to recognize that, that the Lord does raise up people um, that he has called to the ministry, that he has called to the ministry of teaching. Check this out here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is what the Apostle Paul says to the church, uh, the, the uh, church of Ephesus. He says, and he, speaking about the Lord, he says, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so I want to I make this clear is that though every believer is called to teach the Bible and teach a generation what it means to follow Jesus and to observe his commands, that there are certain ones that God raises up as teachers, that there are certain ones that God gives uh, the, uh, the privilege and the honor of having the office of being a teacher in the body of Christ, but this is the point is that teachers are gifts to you. <laughs> that teachers are gifts to you so that you can understand what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. I, and I love saying this publicly, is that you have a good teacher and a shepherd in my dad here. You have a good shepherd and teacher in my dad right here. I love saying this publicly. People ask me a lot. They said, do you like being a junior? I said, oh, yeah, I love being a junior. You know why? Because I get to bear his name, the great man of God who, uh, who is faithful. You know, the way that you see him on the stage is the way that he is off the stage. And I love, love, love honoring my dad for who he is and his faithfulness. And so my point is saying this, is that the Lord has called my dad to the office of, you know, being a, a, being a teacher and a shepherd. But the point is, and the scriptures say it, is that he is a gift to you. <laughs> he is a gift to you. That the Lord would raise up someone who has a compassionate shepherding heart to make sure that your spiritual life is vibrant and that you're following Jesus faithfully, that is a gift. And that's why the Lord raises up shepherds and teachers and pastors and, you know, evangelists and prophets and apostles so that you me, that we can grow in our faith and our walk with Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul says, is that teachers and preach, uh, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, prophets, apostles are gifts to the body of Christ. But now, this is the thing that I want to say, and this is kind of more so of a warning, is that a lot of the times, and I've felt myself feel this before, is that when somebody has a platform or somebody has, you know, a, a voice that goes out really far and impacts a lot of people, a lot of the times, you know, some people will, you know, kind of cross their, cross their arms and say, well, you know, how do they get a platform and how do they get a chance to speak? And, you know, I have a lot to say and I have these things to rattle off. And, you know, I've been following Jesus for X amount of years. You know, I should, I should get, you know, something at least. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that although being a teacher comes with honor, it says that even in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, 
there is a stricter judgment that comes on teachers. Because it's not only about what am I saying that benefits you in your spiritual journey, in your spiritual walk, but is am I actually living out the thing that I'm, that I'm teaching? That that's where the power of biblical teaching and the biblical preaching comes from is that I am not living in hypocrisy, but that I'm actually trying to my best ability to live out what I'm saying on a platform. And so when we stand before the Lord, for those of us who have been called as Bible teachers, for those of us who have been called and have been given a platform, there is a stricter judgment. And that means, and the Apostle James, he says this, is that we should be cautious about desiring such a position. Is that there is true actual stricter judgment that when I, when I die, because this is what the Lord has called me to, uh, by the grace of God, I've been called as a Bible teacher, not just by my title, because that's what I'm at at LCS. This is what I live. This is what I'm called to. And as I know this, as I'm getting to wrestle and reconcile with my identity as a Bible teacher, I recognize and I realize that when I die, whether it's sooner or whether it's later, I will stand before Jesus and his eyes of fire will be looking at me and my eyes will be looking at him and he will evaluate my life and everything that was not uh, from the place of abiding in him will be burned up and I want my work to last. I want my work to last, that the things that I say, the things that I do, I don't want them to be burned up in the fiery gaze of Jesus. And so that, that comes, being a Bible teacher is something that comes with not only honor, but there's a stricter judgment. And so I just want to say to the body of Christ, really, is that if this is something that you desire, we want to uh, be cautious about the way that we approach it. And I remember there was this moment, this is more so of a personal story of mine, as the Lord was beginning to form and shape me as a Bible teacher. And this is, this is probably, uh, you know, some of you all may be able to connect to this, that there was a moment where I was overseas and I was on a ministry trip. And I was sitting, you know, and when you're, over, when you're overseas, um, you know, they, they like to say, oh, yeah, you know, come and share a word with, you know, the people. And I remember I was sitting down one day. I was sitting down and we were ministering and it was about time to, you know, the, the guy who was leading the meeting, they said, oh, come and share a word. And then somebody came up to me and said, we're going to call you to share a word. And immediately I began to wrestle. Immediately I began to wrestle with this, I need, I need a microphone. I need something to, you know, really like make, make these people know that I'm a real Christian, that I'm a real believer. There was this wrestling and this um, lust on the inside of me to reach for a microphone, but then I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit come alongside me and really begin to minister to my heart and break off the chains and the shackles of this need for me to have a microphone. And I want to I, I want to encourage you. And I, and they didn't actually end up calling me up to speak, but I won. I got a, I gained a greater victory in that moment because I gave up the I gave up the microphone. I said, 
I, I came to the conclusion that I don't need a microphone to be a real follower of Jesus. I don't need to have a platform to move the heart of Jesus. And if a microphone comes into my hand, it comes into my hand. Then, then you know, I'll be faithful to, to preach and declare what the Lord has put on my heart, what he's told me to preach and declare. But I say that to encourage you all is that you do not need a microphone to begin teaching the Bible. You don't need a platform or, you know, uh, you know an influence of a million people to actually begin to make a difference in your communities. You can begin today. You can begin shepherding a generation, shepherding people around you today. That's good news, is that we don't need microphones. <laughs> we really don't. It's that it's the faithfulness of teaching the scriptures and living a life that is congruent with the gospel every day, day in and day out. And this is the call of every believer to teach and disciple. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep moving here because I don't have a lot of time. Is the value of biblical preaching. So we've established the call, is that all of us are called to preach and teach the scriptures, but, uh, and, and to teach people how to follow Jesus. But we have to remember this, is that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher is that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. You know, I, <laughs> I, you know I've, come, I've come to terms with this over the past six months, you know, because as I teach, you know, a lot of the times, you know, you get a lot of this, you know, and <laughs> you get a lot, of, a lot of this. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm like, guys, what we're talking about is gold here. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, we got it. Like, and, but I have to remember that Right now, I'm planting seeds, and right now, it's, I, I'm the one, you know, you know how Paul says where he's, you know, uh, it's, you know, I planted seeds, Apollos, he watered, and it's the Lord who brings the increase, right? It's the Lord who actually begins to, and so whether, whether or not you're in a Bible study of, you know, uh, just, you know, a couple people, or it could be a lot of people, remember, especially as you may be feeling discouraged, is that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher, is that we just have to be faithful in speaking the word, right? We just have to be faithful in just declaring what the Lord has called us to and to be faithful to the scriptures and we just be faithful and watch the Holy Spirit work. Watch the Holy Spirit move. But this is, the, this is one of the things that I wanna say is that the purpose, there's a twofold purpose of biblical teaching. One is maturity, is that you would grow in your faith, that I would grow in my faith. And just because, you know, some of us are Bible teachers, and so we've all been called that, is that we also have to be hungry to receive, is uh, also, uh, you know, because teaching is, you know, made to equip, build, unify, grow, and mature the body of Christ so that we can become mature, reflecting the glory of God, right? That's why we teach is for maturity. But there's also a second reason why we, uh, why there's a need for biblical teaching, and it's this, is that in the last days, which we are in, that as we approach the return of Christ, is that false prophets, false apostles, false teachers 
will arise to deceive people away from God. Is that there will be mass in the end times, in the last days, in the end times, there will be mass deception. And the reason why biblical teaching is so important is so that we're not deceived. It's because there will be people who will be wolves in sheep's clothing to come to draw you away from, uh, from what the scriptures say. And as, uh, as we approach the return of Christ, that this will become more prevalent, I guarantee it. The word of God says so is that there will be massive deception across the generation. But I believe that to oppose that is that the Lord will be raising up genuine Bible teachers who have profound revelation and clarity in the, what the Bible says. And this is, what, this is what 1 Timothy says, chapter 4, verses 1 and 13. This is what Paul is saying. He says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, right? Because we don't want to be a people that are deceived when things get hot. <laughs> because we, if, I don't know if you guys have read the book of Revelation, <laughs> But things get kind of gnarly. <laughs> things get kind of crazy. And there's going to be more spiritual warfare in the end times. In the, you know, when, uh, when we approach the, uh, the return of Christ, there's going to be more warfare and more deception than we have ever experienced on the planet before. But the truth of the matter is that the Lord is faithful to raise up people who have clarity in what the Bible says, clarity about who God is so that we can stand with a faith and a firmness so that when we see darkness and when we see deception, we're not moved and shaken, but we stand with clarity and we preach and proclaim the gospel without compromise so that we can see an end time harvest of millions and billions of souls come to know Jesus. We want to stand with clarity. We want to stand with a firmness, and that comes from understanding the Scripture. So, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here just to wrap things up? So you may be saying, okay, well, this is great. I'm called to teach the Scriptures, all right? You know, and, you know, I'm teaching the Scriptures to avoid, to, to, to mature, to uh, avoid deception and all of these different things. Okay, what do I do from here? Well, there's really four things that I just want to quickly run through. And the first thing is in our journey of understanding biblical teaching, understanding the value of biblical teaching, the first thing that we have to do is know the Bible. <laughs> is that we have to know the Word of God. That's intrinsically important to what we're talking about, especially when it comes to doctrine, especially when it comes to theology. And many of you all knows that I'm, a, I'm really passionate about reading the Bible. <laughs> I'm really passionate about reading the Bible, and I cannot emphasize enough the clarity that came to me personally when I just sat down and read the Scriptures. You know, uh, even though I grew up, you know, in a uh, 
pastor's house, you know, the whole thing is, you know, raised with veggie tales and Bible stories galore, you know, is that, is that when I sat down with the Bible myself and I just said, I'm just going to commit myself just to read the scriptures. You know, and many of you all know the journey that I've been on about reading the scriptures, you know, multiple times a year and just do, doing it out loud. I cannot tell you the profound clarity that came to me. I'm like, oh, that's why so-and-so said this, or that's what that meant, or this how, that's how this connects to that. The value of just sitting down and just reading the scriptures will bring you profound clarity. I guarantee you. It's knowing the Bible is that the best way to deepen our understanding of God and to avoid false teaching is to study his word, is that we must become Bereans, those who eagerly receive sound teaching, yet examine everything against the Bible. See, we see in Acts 17, it says, uh, when Paul and some others came teaching, um, teaching the scriptures and teaching that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, is that... Uh, it says this, that the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So it's not just about being eager to receive sound biblical teaching, but it's comparing teachings to say, is this something that the scriptures clearly say and declare? So the first application point is know the scriptures. Just sit down and read them. I guarantee that the Holy Spirit will breathe on your heart and move you into an understanding that you haven't had before. But the, the other part of understanding the value of biblical teaching is also knowing the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I kind of go in between two camps of Christians, you know, where it's, you have the, I love the Bible kind of group. And then you also have the other group where it's like, I love the Holy Spirit kind of group. But the truth of the matter is that if you really love the Bible, you have to love the Holy Spirit because he wrote it. <laughs> and if you really love the Holy Spirit, you have to love the Bible because it's his only book. <laughs> He's the one who inspired the scriptures. He's the one who wrote the scriptures. So if you love the scriptures, you have to love the ministry and the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But if you love the Holy Spirit, I mean, obviously there's not, you know, you, you, when you talk to both Christians, everybody will find a value in both. But it's about getting to know the Holy Spirit because he is the one who guides us into all truth. He is the one who leads us not into deception, but to Jesus. He is the one who leads us into all truth. So getting to know the Holy Spirit is, uh, is another way that we begin to avoid the false teaching that Titus 1 was talking about. And then last two, just quickly here, is also not only knowing the Bible, knowing the scriptures, and not only knowing the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, but also knowing church history. <laughs> Beloved, do you know that we have 2,000 years of rich biblical teaching uh, in, within the church? Is that Christianity has over 2,000 years of rich history in which some of the greatest minds and some of the greatest theologians actually have put forth clarity and works that help me and you, you and me, to understand the, uh, the, what the Bible teaches and what it says. 
And so knowing the creeds, which are their fixed formulas uh, summarizing the essential articles of the Christian religion and enjoying the sanction of ecclesiastical authority or church authority, knowing the creeds, knowing the councils, knowing the confessions, knowing the catechisms, knowing these things help us to understand sound biblical teaching. And there are, you know, you can just look up any one of these things on Amazon and, you know, you can get a plethora of books. So knowing, the, knowing church history is that there is a rich history um, that we have over 2,000 years of. And then finally is kind of a, a deviation from, but it's the same vein about knowing, knowing church history, is also knowing the heretics. <laughs> knowing those who deliberately went against sound biblical teaching to make their own uh, make their own ideologies and things about Christianity. So you have, you know, Sibelius, or, you know, you have modalism, which denies the Trinity, and that God only appears in three modes, right? He's not Trinity. Um, that's heretical. Arius, or Arianism, which is uh, Jesus was not equally God, right? That he was created lower than the Father, or you have Marcionism, which is, you know, this is one that a lot of us, that I even myself a few years ago fell into, is that the God of the Old Testament differs from the God of the New Testament. Beloved, that's a heresy. And so we want to be adamant about being connected to what the Bible teaches, what the scriptures say. And, uh, and that means that we have to know the Bible. That means we have to know the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That we have to know church history, the creeds, the councils, the confessions, the catechisms. And finally, we have to know the heretics, those who actually took a deviation from orthodox teaching to teach their own things. So the encouragement that I want to leave you all with is simply devote yourself to Scripture. Simply devote yourself to Scripture and prayer. That's really all that's needed. That's what Jesus said to Mary of Bethany. He said, the only thing that's really needed is just to sit before the Lord. You know, he didn't say it this way, but with a Bible open, with an open Bible, open heart, and an open conversation with him, and I guarantee he will enlighten and illuminate our heart. And get involved with a small group. Get involved with a Bible study. Get active in the church activities and begin, uh, begin learning how to, what does it mean to teach the scriptures? What does it mean to teach the Bible and show people what it means to live a life that's congruent with the gospel, that's following Jesus faithfully? There's a need, Trinity Church. There's a need coming up for sound biblical teaching, and you're called to it. You're called to it. This is our call today. So I'm going to invite you all to stand as we close here, that you are called to teach the scriptures. You're called to not only follow Jesus, but invite people along the way and show them what it looks like, show them what it means, that there's a great need in this generation. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite the prayer team, the elders and the deacons, those to come up front so if you would like prayer for anything, um, whether it's related to the teaching this morning or whether it's related to a life situation, 
Um, the elders and the deacons and the prayer team will be up here in the front. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll close. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the scriptures. We thank you, Lord, for the way that um, you have called all of us to teach the scriptures, that you've given us a commission. You've given us a calling, Lord, to, um, to go to the nations, to go to our neighbors and teach the scriptures, to teach the Bible, and to show people what it means to follow your son. And so, Lord, I'm asking in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, as you are moving across the nation, Lord, that you would equip this church, this body of believers to be teachers, to be voices to a generation that need it, to be voices of clarity for what the, what the scriptures say. Lord, we're asking that you would continue to lead us and guide us. Would you continue to shine your face towards us, Lord, and be gracious to us. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, be blessed. Have a great week.